So how's it going, gay? Yeah. I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but right about now, I would be complaining about you know being being uh, trying to be this thought you know my brain working this early in the morning, but I can't because you're earlier than me. So yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I lose that privilege. I didn't know there was another seven o'clock. Oh God! I... There are two of them. It's Sunday, August 9th, and you're listening to episode 17 of Roll Up and Die. You gotta be fucking kidding. It's <laughs> freaking early. Dead air. Uh, my, my coffee tastes like vinegar. Ew, what coffee are you drinking, uh, bro? Dumbass. I just unplugged my headphones. Do you, do you even fine. coffee, bro? My coffee tastes like vinegar because last night... Do I even coffee, bro? Oh, my God. You start working out, Jenny, and all of a sudden, you're all saying words like bro. Yeah, bro, gluten, protein. Gluten, <laughs> yeah. Reps. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, now, reps. Um, you got to get reps in there. Now you're, now you're drinking that meat smoothie every day, like we discussed in the early episode. It's full circle. I'm oh, actually oh, yeah. not one of these people who has the smoothies. Like I don't even have the green smoothies. Oh, yeah. I'm just fine my, eating fruit. You know what's good, though, is uh, my wife, Heather, she puts, like, frozen fruit mm. in a blender, and and that ter- is, like, automatic smoothie. Nice. Yep. Made out of straight fruit, so really good. Uh, but, yeah, my coffee tastes like vinegar because I use a Keurig, and we just uh, <clears throat> cleaned it out last night. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And apparently I didn't wash it out enough, so it's kind of, it's like apple cider vinegar uh, Sumatra. Mm. Oh. I, I, from what I can gather, oh. in, in America, it's more of a thing to have the whole, um, like, filtered coffee in a big jug and you brew that and then you have that for the rest of the day. Whereas over here, we can't be arsed. We just get the instant coffee granules, put them in a mug and then pour the water. Oh. In. <laughs> Actually, yeah, it's not, it's it's like not too bad. Goes. Or if you're Ooh. really rich, you can get a coffee maker and make your own coffee. If you're really rich, wow! Yeah, because they're expensive. Are they more expensive there than they are here? Well, I suppose it depends how how good a coffee machine you want. But uh-huh. I know some people who have one that's like a thousand pounds. Oh my crap. goodness! But but that's like kind of top of the range, so it's got like well, yeah, a I lot mean, of buttons and stuff. If if you go to Evil Mart here in the U.S., you can get it for like uh, what the. Uh, under under twenty under twenty bucks or something like that. Eight bucks and yeah. two uh, foreign children's mm. lives. That's really all it basically. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Things over there seem to be cheaper than over here. Yes. I wonder why that is. Life is cheaper here too. Yeah. <laughs> you you would think Man. that you would think that this that podcast was, was about like economics or something. I know. Uh, well, it is not, in fact, about economics. No. Oh, and speaking of this podcast, geez, this is so lackluster. Uh, <laughs> welcome, everybody, to Roll Up and Die, your lackluster RPG podcast. My name is Barker. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And my name is Jenny, a.k.a. The Road DM. Yes, we have Jenny back. back on the show. Yeah, she's right. uh, she was not only the first guest That's right. on Roll Up and Die... But she is she's also the, last. the first. She's, yeah. oh. she's the first guest to be here twice. Yeah. <gasps> Just keep raising the bar. I, I, I totally didn't hold these guys by gunpoint and make them put me on. No, we are under no duress whatsoever. 
No, not one bit. Ow! Stop that. <laughs> Help us. Uh, so, 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 Barker, what was the subject today? Uh, today's subject was campaign modules, adventure modules. Ah, indeed. Um, uh, the the one thing uh, I will uh, toss out there though is that we should have had Jenny. You sign that uh, sign a contract or something saying that you will not talk about Batman, because <laughs> let me just tell you, man. I'm not. I'm not even like that Jesus. huge of a fan of Batman. I do like Batman, but I'm not like oh my god, Batman all the time. So now that you said that, I'm going to talk about Batman. Oh no, don't do it. I, la- oh, god. I thought anyway. about putting a disclaimer when I when I posted the question too. Oh yeah. <laughs> no questions about. I used to have a Harley Quinn costume actually. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Cool. Although it was like the kind of old cartoony one, so it was more like a gesture outfit. Right. Oh, neat. Cool. See, I, I, I've just, I brought that up because I've been, <laughs> feel like borderline death threats. You talk shit about Batman. <laughs> like I'm gonna have a bunch of people in black tights and capes and why, show up at my house. And why must I, I not say, talk yeah, people, about this? I was gonna see. Oh, okay. What was that, Jenny? Well, why must I not talk about this specifically, then? Because, I don't know. I don't know. You know what? I suppose, theoretically, you can talk about it if you want. I just said you couldn't in order to segue into a conversation in the podcast for me to be able to talk about the last episode and the flaming that I am getting on the roll-up and tie page <laughs> for not liking the Cape Crusader. Oh, I see. We did, we did try to warn you. Yeah. I yeah. see. I did not know about this. That's because you don't listen to our show. <laughs> well, I'm so sorry. I do try and listen to it when I can. No, I know. I'm, I don't listen to our show either. <laughs> Wait. Because it's well, shit. <laughs> why would you listen back to your own voice for three hours on end? You know what? When you're editing well, it... I was going to say, we can have to when we're editing it. <laughs> yeah. I've listened to every episode way too many times. But, Sometimes uh, the same phrase over and over again, looking for that right cut. Yeah, exactly. No, I always thought it was like the goal, you know, at least in my mind, that, you know, I always felt like I wanted this podcast to be a podcast that I would listen to if I weren't yeah. doing it. And so I hope that we're accomplishing that. And, you know, we get a lot of great feedback uh, from people, and and people have actually gotten on iTunes and given us ratings. Oh my and, god! And that's the best thing that you can do for the podcast. But yeah, just, definitely. So, so yeah, yeah I hope we keep keep uh, giving you guys the good the good quality content. Just don't expect this episode to, to be, be one, to be one of them <laughs> to be one of those episodes. <laughs> oh god, Matt, it's all your fault. It is, Matt. You had to go get. Married. How dare you get married and have Lowering fun? Lowering expectations. <laughs> um, but yeah, congratulations. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's actually. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, man. yeah, I guess. I wish I was there yeah, jamming yeah, on the yeah, organ like for you, you know, doing all that cool stuff. You should yep. have butt me as an organist. Oh, dude, I saw some pictures of their wedding too. They had like wrist bindings, like, like really. Oh, old, right. Like old school. Mm. Yeah, hand, that's like yeah, middle hand, ages type. Thing. Yeah, yeah, hand, yeah. Fast, hand fasting. Yeah. <clears throat> oh my gosh, it was beautiful. They, they yeah, were, that's what we did. Oh really? Cool. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. Oh man, I was yep. gonna make a wrist binding joke about after the wedding. Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 but I, I, I guess I already did. The only wristband I have is a festival wristband. Oh really? 
I used to be that guy. I used to wear a bunch of wristbands. You know those people in uh-huh. America, Alex? There and you probably pe- people everywhere do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, live strong, wrist strong, uh, freaking. Here's <laughs> wrist my strong. strong. Yeah, coffee strong. Here's my here's my wristband just in case I get lost in the mountains. I can convert it into like ten meters of rope. And it, like, <laughs> I don't go hiking, but you know, just in case. Ten I'm at the meters. <laughs> What's that? Ten meters of rope. Actually, it might be longer. Uh, let me look yeah. this up. That's a true thing. Wrist. Yeah, band. yeah, they, they, have, they have survival bracelets. Yeah, but uh, honestly, if you're going to do that, then you're better off just you know making them as your shoelaces. Yeah, that's a really good point. It turned. Okay, it's a. It. They're made out of paracord. Yeah. And uh, twelve feet, so not ten meters, not even close, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so like a third of what I said it was, but you know, twelve feet of paracord is really useful. When you're, I don't know, in the office and you have to stay an hour late. So you, you know, I don't freaking know. I don't go climbing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm tired and I'm drinking vinegar coffee. I'm just having a look on the Facebook page and people are asking again about Brigade Con. Maybe we should put a little plug in there. Oh, screw the Brigade Con. (laughs) Tim Carney from Tabletop Terrors is sorting it out, so that guy. Um, um, yeah, that's a good point. Although we should talk about if, if uh, we're going to do anything as as uh, as roll up and die for for brigade con, it'd be kind of cool to have a, a live thing, you know. Oh yeah, that would be cool. Mm. And and, ju- and, maybe, and maybe just do questions and answers, you know, do live questions or something like that. Ah, oh, that'd be rad. So we are we are thinking potentially like a Q and A of some kind, and that'd be really cool yeah. if you guys could host yeah. it. Awesome. Uh, oh, so. Yeah, okay, cool. Let's try to do that. And Jenny, since you're the one who brought it up, why don't you explain to the listeners uh, what Brigade Con is, why Mm -hmm. it is, uh, when it started, everything. Okay, so... Go ahead. No, 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 you you say first, you say first. No, no, I'll wait till you're done. All right. Uh, Well, Brigade Con is a 24-hour online convention hosted by the RPG Brigade or the RPG community, whatever you want to call it. Uh, This year, it is on the 10th of October. Um, although it is running for midnight EST, so all the times are in EST. Uh, we're currently um, getting the schedule together. Um, feel free to uh, go register on the website. You can also get updates on the website. We're going to set up a Facebook page as well to basically just um, get more people through to the website from Facebook. Uh, you can submit games as a GM if you want to. Um, you can submit as many as you want, but bear in mind it's a 24-hour con, so it's it's mainly up to how well you can stay up. <laughs> yeah. um, and um, players will be able to uh, join very, very soon. We're kind of just sorting that out still. Um, GM submissions close a month before, so it would be September the 10th. So you still have lots of time to get that in. This is all for... Yeah, it's one month. Uh, This is all for the charity Child's Play. So we're going to raise money again for that. Um, We're going to have T-shirts as well. All the money for those goes to uh, Child's Play. But we're hoping to get the T-shirts out earlier this year, if we possibly can. Um, And again, we're getting the final designs ready and all that stuff. There's a lot going on, actually. A lot going on in the works. I wanted to say that, uh, actually, (laughs) you know, last year (laughs) it was held, I think it was in November, and that was probably the most fun I've ever had online gaming. And I didn't play in any games. I don't even think I 
ran a, I can't even remember. I, I did a, a, a panel with you and yeah. Matt, Alex. We did a world building panel. Yep. But I spent that 24 hours watching people play games <laughs> and they were all like, you know, two to three hour games and it was just awesome. Like I couldn't, yeah, I, it was a blast. there were times where I couldn't figure out what I wanted to watch. And it was also, it felt exactly like an actual convention. Yeah. Because mm. everything was on the website and all the, you know, videos that you could click on and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, Jenny ran, you ran a corporation game? Right? I did indeed, yeah. That was awesome. I mean, every, yeah, it was it was a blast, and I expect no less this time around. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely go to brigadecon.org or check out BrigadeCon on Facebook. Uh, it is hosted by the RPG Brigade, uh, you, which you can also find on Facebook. And let's play some games mm. and help some kids. I would suggest going to the website yeah. first because as a player or a GM, yeah. you need to register in order to participate, basically. Obviously, it doesn't cost anything, but it gives us an idea of who's going and right. know, things like that. So go ahead and register on the website and then, yeah, go and play some games and be awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of playing some games. Yes. <laughs> well, well, fix that in post. It is quite a specific topic we're talking about this week, so I can't think of a better segue. It is, actually, and it's a topic that I wasn't sure like how to make an idea we can steal. So we'll have to cro we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yes, I got that right. It's yes. early. Uh, but, yeah, adventure modules. And, Jenny, you kind of brought this up mm -hmm. as something that you might be interested in talking about. I have... Yeah. Uh, so, Jenny. Yes. Oh, okay, I will lead you in. Um, well, the reason why I wanted to talk about it was because it's not often addressed in terms of, like, campaign magnitude. Sometimes people talk about, like, one-off adventures. But as someone who has not DM'd for that long, about two years, I'm starting to, like, branch out a bit. And I thought, oh, I could do um, <clears throat> this uh, Warhammer... Uh, campaign module and see how that goes because I've done a lot of homebrew before and I've all my campaigns so far have been just completely made up by me uh, the settings aren't always um, sometimes they are but up until now I've always planned everything myself so I thought oh I wonder how it would be if we did it with campaign modules instead like a nice change of direction you said Warhammer so you're playing like a Warhammer fantasy RPG yeah that's right second edition Cool. It starts on Monday, if you're free, at 7 at GMT time. Then come check it out. 7 p.m. GMT to EST. That would be 1 o'clock <laughs> Sunday my time. I'll be asleep. No, I'm no, 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 7 p.m. <laughs> so it would be 2 p.m. your time. No. Seven, well, it says right here that 7 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time... <laughs> Is 3 p.m. 7 That's... minus 5 equals 2. It says on Google. Oh, daylight saving times suck. Oh, oh, but then again, I'm on, I'm, on, uh, I'm on saving time as well. Oh, my gosh. See, oh, can we fix this? Governments of the world. Right. If you're listening to the Roll Up and Die time podcast, which in, you should be. Time in... Albuquerque. Mr. Stop, this Stop this madness. Let's just fix this now because we cannot game it, properly. It, it, yeah, it, it messes us up. So I love, I love how you have to ask the president. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. Anyway. Warhammer 2nd Edition. Yes. Tell me, to, I, before we jump into modules, do you like that system? I do, very much. Um, in fact, I have an interesting story. Like, the first campaign I played was uh, done by Sean Connors. 
so of course it's going to be brilliant um but i'm not really one normally for playing a magic user like in D D, i've never played a magic user i've never really bothered with it there was a time for a little while when i played a sorcerer but I've never wanted to be like a fully fledged magic user. But then Warhammer changed that completely. For some reason, the magic user one uh, like was more appealing than than anything else at all. What's the, what makes it different uh, I in that system? I, I don't know. I think like certainly the the more kind of role playing aspects of like getting um, like learning spells, uh, learning um, how to obtain components and and doing that was very much all role play based as opposed to like writing stuff down on a sheet. Mm-hmm. Again, it might just be like the way that I got into it because people could argue, oh, that's the same in like d and d, but for me, it just seemed a lot more appealing. Mm-hmm. I suppose the magic schools as well in uh, uh, Warhammer seem a bit more appealing to me. Uh, yeah, I uh, the uh, I, I like the setting of Warhammer. You mm. know, it's it's kind of like fringy, dark fantasy. It doesn't pull any punches. Yeah, uh, hell I'm, no. Yeah. Uh, so when it comes to running a module, you know, the thing that we kind of do sometimes on this show. Uh, which you would know if you listened to it, Jenny. Uh, we, we, <laughs> Shut we, up. <laughs> we occasionally will, in order to kick things off, we'll come up with a really, really shitty idea on purpose. So, like, for example, mm-hmm. campaign modules, adventure modules, can be, you know, used poorly. They can t- be mm. really bad. And so let's go around in this digital circle and mm-hmm. come up with... Uh, kind of a, a, a the negative the downsides a possible horrible mm-hmm. downsides mm-hmm. actually I, I I've got a real one of those oh do it big mm-hmm. Excellent. so shall Go I ahead. start us off yeah, yeah start us off I was gonna roll hold on wait hold on let me let me just really quick Oh, yep, you're Jenny, rolling. Go ahead. Uh, oh, <laughs> that was pointless. Okay, so this wasn't with a campaign. It was with just an adventure module, and I kind of just got into running D and D three point five. So I did this adventure for uh, I can't even remember what it's called. I, I threw it in the bin afterwards, but basically it was very very railroaded. So um, I can't remember all the story, but basically there's one point where the characters uh, find this halfling who's trying to hide or something. And uh, then suddenly these rather burly looking people um, um, led by this rather scary woman um, appear and they say, oh, hand over uh, this very valuable thing that the halfling apparently has. And um, all the players thought it would be an encounter, of course. Like, it sounds like it's going to be an encounter, but the the module never mentioned that it was to be an encounter. It just said, oh, there's a bit of chatter and and a bit of a dispute. Um, the players should probably not fight them because they're level eight. Has the writer, has the author of this module ever played a role-playing game? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, like, like uh, the, so, so... And, and, and the leader looks very, very threatening, so it's unlikely that uh, they're going to fight these characters. Not only did they fight together, but they actually defeated them. There you go. <laughs> and the problem is that they're supposed to be recurring characters later on. <laughs> so, in effect, the module was just ruined. And that is definitely a, a downside. The railroady, you know, yeah. quality of it... Uh, <laughs> Uh, leaves much to be desired. I I will throw in that I think um, 
you know, I imagine the DM running an adventure module at the table, and he's, he or she's got the book in front of him. And uh, they're reading, they say, okay, and then you see... Okay, hold on one second. And they look down at the book. Yeah. The skies are aflame with fog and smoke uh, oh. and dragons. <laughs> and, like, uh, or, or hold on, let me let me just check the check the module one second. And you know, um, you know the attack the darkness clip. I always imagined that the DM was reading out of a module when he like sets the scene. What, yeah. what clip is that? You, you know the um, oh I, I attack the darkness magic missile. Oh yes, yeah, okay, yeah. When he starts, he's like, "You approach the door to the north. You are all by yourself in a dark room." It's like you're obviously reading off a piece of paper there. Yes. <laughs> and I think ultimately, <clears throat> at least personally, I, I and I'll get into this later a little bit. I think, but uh, mm. I think pre prepping for a game is harder when you're using an adventure module, yeah. which is ironic yeah. because the adventure module is there to make it easier. And personally, it's harder for me because now not only do I have to be creative, <laughs> I have to find a way to be creative inside a cage and I have to read a whole book first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that, that's that's really the key. You definitely have to read read it ahead of time and mm -hmm. cover to cover. You know, you can't just read yeah. a page or two ahead and, and yeah. because you need to know what's going on elsewhere and behind the scenes. But so much of that depends on how well the adventure is written, you know. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and, and and there you're sort of at the mercy of of the uh, the people who wrote it, you know. So, uh, you know, you have great ones like uh, the original Ravenloft was was really mm -hmm. uh, was really well written and thought out, and uh, and then there was some that were just horrible to me, which were like the Dragonlance series. Every one of those was terrible if you tried Aww. to run it. Um, just out of the box, <laughs> and I made that mistake. I was, okay. I, I was a young, I was a young GM at the time, and and uh, didn't know any better. So I, so I so I basically ran out of the box. It was just so railroady. It was just horrible. That's how I felt about <coughs> fifth edition came out recently, and that's how I kind of felt about the Horde of the Dragon Queen, the first mm -hmm. book. Yeah. But the, oh, the interesting. second book. What, what, oh, in, did you say interesting? Yeah. It is, uh, but I think you know it was very combat. Centric things like that, but mm -hmm. uh, the Rise of Tiamat book, to me, was is like really it's just amazing. Yes, yeah. it's, it's yeah. like uh, it's like a setting. That's that's what I look for in an, in an adventure mm -hmm. in an adventure module is <clears throat> not an adventure per se, but a situation. Yeah, like uh, if mm. you get on Google or mm -hmm. on the wizard site, look up a module called the War College. This is something that I downloaded a long time ago. I got it for free. Um, uh, you might have to have a subscription, but uh, check it out anyway. Mm -hmm. And basically, it's uh, it's just a situation. It's a place, yeah. the War College. It's five NPCs that are vying for power, and they all have motives, uh, and they all you know. There's been a murder, like things like that. So, and then it just gives it to you. So the players can do whatever they want inside of this setting mm -hmm. and inside of the situation. Well, if I can play devil's advocate for Wizards of the Coast for a moment, do it, um, I think their I think their intention behind Horde of the Dragon Queen was very different, uh, because <coughs> first first, first, mm -hmm. uh, first fifth edition had just come out, mm -hmm. and so I think they wanted to create an adventure module that would introduce sort of new players to it, you know, to kind of so they so they wanted to include all sorts of activities and sort of get people. Um, it was sort of like a, almost like a training adventure. You know that, well, that sort of thing. That's what the Minds of mm. Fandelver was for. 
Yeah, kind of, kind of. I mean, that, yeah. that, that, yeah, was also, I mean, that was really real, Rudy. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I've just thought of um, a couple of decent modules I can mention as well, because I just remembered that I have run a couple more that didn't go as badly <laughs> as, as that one I mentioned before. Uh, going back to corporation, actually, and, and woo, around, the, around the genre roundabout. Yeah. Um, That's what we do. We're unscripted. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, th- there are a couple of modules that were released for Corporation that are really tongue-in-cheek and are specifically played at Christmas. And one of them I, I run was called The Cult of Christmas. It was like a three-page long module because that's all it needed. It kind of summarized the situations. Uh, it did the stats for the main baddies that you fought. That was it. And that was actually brilliant. The fact that it left room for you to um, either improvise or plan your own stuff as well around it, that was great. Yeah, for sure. And I think, uh, go ahead, Alex, you were going to say something. No, I, I was just going to say that um, to me, mod- you know, adventure modules or campaign modules are, um, I, I really don't use them anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. Except as as sources for material, like I'll I'll I'll, oh. I'll, mi- I'll mine them for, you know, maps or storylines or characters, things like that. I'll you know look through them. Oh, this is cool. I'm going to take this and I'll take this. But I'm that's not gonna exactly that. what I was going to say actually. And and and, and I, but I, but I think uh, adventure modules can be great in two ways. One, they're great training exercises for either a new GM or someone who's new to a system. So you can kind of. Uh, like if you're playing an entirely new genre and a new system, playing a prepared module can tell you can kind of give you a feel for the setting. It can it can tell you, um, you know how it's kind of intended to be run. Uh, it's it, I guess I guess it's sort of like uh, uh, you guys are both uh, uh, involved in the music industry to one degree or another. So it, it's mm-hmm. kind of like when when a, when a when a band goes and, and they start being a band, they don't not my my guess is they don't start writing their own songs right away. They do a lot of cover music. You know, they do they play a lot of existing songs and then, you know, later on write stuff once they kind mm-hmm. of get their get their style or their feet, you know, mm-hmm. experience together. And I think with a uh, I know for me, I played a lot of adventure modules when I was just learning because that's all there was and it wasn't until years later that I started to sort of first modify what I got and then just started coming up with them myself. But they're great for training. They're good for teaching people about a new system, or even just how to be. Um, well, I don't know how, how to how to think like a GM. For sure. Mm. Well, that's it on roll up and <laughs> thank you very much for tuning in, everybody. No. Oh. That was that was the perfect conclusion. Oh. <laughs> but uh, you know, and, and I was thinking about this before we started talking about it, and it's totally unscripted. But you know, talking about adventure modules is difficult because yeah, it's it's like. There's very little information that I feel like we can give that people are going to be like, oh my gosh, I never realized that. Because we everybody knows adventure modules can be railroady. They can be difficult mm-hmm. to run. Um, and I think one of the biggest things, though, that I, and Alex, you said this, one of the biggest things that we can kind of offer as any sort of advice would be read the hell out of them and never run them. Like, <laughs> like That's not helpful for me. Read them and throw them away. I, well, Just yeah, burn them. But it's like, you know, there are so many modules that are like, oh, man, you, you, you either they're either too strict too uh, very few or too lenient. But uh, oftentimes you're either going to railroad your players 
or uh, you got to find a balance, right? You want yeah. to follow the module while still uh, inspiring creativity, and there are so many modules that don't allow for that or don't, you know, <clears throat> pave the way for you to do that. So, what I do, you know, I have pretty much I love modules. I love adventure modules, but I hate running them. I love reading them. I love getting like like Alex you said, mining them for information and NPCs and plot hooks and maps yeah. and stuff like that. Um, because when I look at a map, I start getting my own ideas. I start thinking, you yeah. know, oh, th this thing says, you know, it's a mine. I think this is a prison, you know, and and like uh, it's almost like I'm really not very good. And I think I've said this before on the podcast. I'm not very good at coming up with my own ideas from scratch. But if someone draws a circle on a sheet of paper, you know, I can I can take that circle and, you know, <laughs> turn it into a sunrise or something like, you know, like I can paint around it. Yeah, but Barker, you can turn the circle yourself. You can draw it yourself. That's that is taking the metaphor uh, too far to the point where we lose the initial meaning. I, I couldn't I, resist. But I, I know. But I, I love taking other like ideas yeah. and building on them, and that's why that's how I use modules all day. Well, there are ways to run them effectively. Uh, I think it, but it involves. But you have to. Uh, yeah, again, like we said, we have to read it through. And then once you read it, you have to find the 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 plot threads that <coughs> tie to the characters. So, in other words, find out what the the bad guys are doing for lack of a better <laughs> description. Mm. You know, fi find out what their plots are and then sort of understand what that is. And once you have all these sort of uh, these sort of plot lines mapped out in your head then once once the once the characters enter the scene then you know then go by that don't go by encounter order don't go by well they're supposed to do x y and z you know you take take pull those threads out you know and and use those kind of separately don't try to follow an adventure module because then it, it's going to get railroady even mm. if you don't want it to be yeah definitely um, that was the thing I found when prepping Thousand Thrones. I, I don't want to give too much away, um, but it was basically like, yeah, you go from here to here to here, and your players are obviously going to do it in this order. No, they're not. <laughs> um, so instead, we've like, um, I, I've thought of like my own scenario to begin the game. And uh, they've obviously thought of their own backgrounds. I'm going to utilize them. Um, we flesh that part out together really and um i'm going to take what the baddies are doing obviously there are key po key points and key people they have to look for or encounter or things like that but i'm not going to go with the order i'm just going to go with how they want and hopefully they'll make up something that i can then adapt well i, th I think that's why uh, an adventure module like ravenloft was so successful uh it had a really it had really rich descriptions of the setting you know, the Castle Ravenloft, Barovia, all these, you know, Strahd himself, all these things. He had a rich backstory. And then they focused on Strahd's plans. So it was, you know, what is what is what is Strahd's ultimate goal? What is he doing? Uh, what is he going to do in reaction to what the players do or the, the, the characters do? And so you can sort of, uh, it, it was very open other than that. And so I think that's why it worked and didn't feel railroady. And it was really easy for a... Uh, for even a new GM to run. Yeah, you still have to be careful when you're reading descriptions, no matter how rich they are, to not read it like a robot. But mm -hmm. <laughs> but if you read it ahead of time, 
and you're really in the mood, you can you can read it in a way that is that is still rich and and uh, uh, and interesting. And practice, you know, I think that's yeah. the oh, best absolutely. part about yeah. a module is just practice. Yeah. And I think again, prepping for a module might even at some point be more time consuming than just improvising, obviously, but. Uh, use that time to practice your accents and read exactly what the module says uh, over and over and over again and then you know then you'll be comfortable enough to flourish it so read yeah, and, and practice be, and yeah and don't be afraid to reword it if, if, if that's where it takes you just you know because you just describe it don't don't try and read it verbatim Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I quite like about the Thousand Thrones book, in that there are none of these like little captions that you have to read. It just describes things, and then you can word it how you want. Yeah. So that's one thing I don't have to worry about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if I've ever run any non-fantasy-based modules. Well, actually, I, I guess when I first started playing Call of Cthulhu, I ran, uh, I ran a few of of those can modules that were pretty good. Um, I ran a Star Wars one pretty recently, mm-hmm. uh, Beyond the Rim, I think it was called, Edge of the Empire Fantasy <coughs> Flight version. Um, and it was really cool. It was neat. But it was, again, it was one of those that you really kind of want to read through the entire thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially. I, I ran uh, a little while ago, uh, I used Return to the Tomb of Horrors, which. Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 go, you have to go through the tomb of horrors and then it gets worse uh just to avoid any any spoilers but uh yeah it, the the whole thing starts off where the 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 players have to go visit uh the only survivor of the tomb of horrors from before mm-hmm. and this person is is uh is insane so i i so i created this fictional uh 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 insane asylum in my world just for that purpose so they have to go to this insane asylum and and speak to the only survivor who was a former cleric and she she abandoned her god because of what happened in the tomb of horrors so mm. you know she, she was really sort of selling it up to the to the characters but the uh, the new storyline was was really quite good in weaving the uh the original tomb of horrors together with this new sort of storyline that expanded on it and went beyond it and uh it was, it was really quite impressive um, probably one of the, uh, probably definitely one of the top five adventure modules I've run. And like I said, that was more recently. Uh, I did have to read it through, of course, and, and make changes to get it to fit into my world and the campaign that I was running. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it, was, it, was, that wasn't, it wasn't too hard. They did a good job of, of making it um, campaign neutral, I guess. What's your favorite cam- uh, campaign module ever? Both you, the question is for both of you. Hmm. Like uh, well, for in- inspiration, best written, like that sort of thing. I wouldn't know what, what my favorite was, but I'm very intrigued by this uh, campaign I picked up called War of the Burning Sky. It's got very good reviews. It's a 3.5 um, campaign. A complete fantasy saga for first to 20th level characters. It's laid out very well as well. Wow, very cool. War of the Burning Sky is also a dope name. Oh yeah, and the the maps are beautiful. <laughs> of course, it's not all about the maps, but yeah, it, it seems it seems a lot better laid out in terms of like linearity than this Thousand Thrones book that I've got. It does have uh, a free intro pack 
that you can basically download for free, the War of the Burning Sky Adventure Path. Oh, nice. Um, and one for 3.5 and one for 4th edition. But no 5th edition. Bad day. Well, just convert it to 5th edition. I don't know how to do it. It's hard. <laughs> it's like math. No. But yeah, it seems to have a lot of, um, as you were saying, Alex, a lot of the backstory, what's mm, happening in the yeah. world, which I, which is the way I prep games anyway. I, I, if anything, I will build the the campaign or the the session and then plonk the players in, and and I'm like, right, okay, mm -hmm. do your stuff, and then yeah, kind awesome. of move them towards stuff, but it's still like more like that rather than you are players and you must do this. <laughs> now <laughs> uh, yeah I would say my favorite is Expedition to Castle Ravenloft uh, it, 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 took the, it took the original Ravenloft adventure and it, and it really expanded on it and uh, uh, added more detail more richness uh, um, both, in, both in the surrounding lands in Barovia and also to the castle itself and yeah it, it, it was really uh Oh, one of my favorites to run, partly because I, I knew it so well. Because I, I, I had run Ravenloft before, uh, probably mm -hmm. a couple times in my life, and uh, and so all I really had to sort of get a feel for was some of the newer stuff they added on. So because I was so familiar with it, it wasn't it wasn't as much homework to to kind of sink back into it. Oh, cool. But but no, it, it it was it was well written, and it was and it wasn't just added on just to tack stuff on. The stuff that was added was uh, it it was definitely made it better. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I've I've never run a Ravenloft game, but that's a um that's kind of a a bucket list. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Well, for the for the GM, yeah. uh, it's, <laughs> it's 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 horror. So if if you're running it right, the the the, the players will be. Uh, uh, pretty, uh, pretty roughed up by, uh, by that by after the first session. Yeah. <laughs> Good, it's horror. Yeah. Uh, take a drink. My favorite, I would say, is probably Scepter Tower of Spellgarden. Uh, and I say favorite loosely because I played like two pages of it. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, I would say my favorite is actually the War College. Uh, that that I, mm -hmm. I mean, just Google it. Uh, let's see. The War College D and D. That's too much. Just with war in it. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, it's uh, in the archive of pen and paper games. I don't know. Just Google it. Look it up. It's awesome. It's a great setting. It's got great characters, and it's super fun to run. And uh, it's mm. well, what's really cool about it is that you can plop it down in any setting. Like just put the you know the, ah. a college of war down wherever you want it to be, and it really works. So cool. Yeah, that is that is one of the the things you have that it can be tough with some adventure modules because a lot of them are tied to a setting like Forgotten Realms or. Or uh, Dark Sun, or, or something like mm -hmm. that in D and D, and so as part of your job as a, as a GM is sort of, if you're putting it into your your unique campaign world, is sort of separating it from that. Yeah, it's, some modules always upset me because they they always say the same thing at the beginning. They always say, "You can put this in any world if you want," but sometimes <laughs> you're like, "Yeah, but not without my players being like, oh, this is just like that Eberron thing.' Like, you know, like this is just like it was in Forgotten Realms. Like, damn you, module. Damn you. Um, 
Do you guys want to go take a question from the listeners? I think we should. Sure. All right. How about we take two questions instead of coming up with an idea they can steal? Because it's not really, you know, it's not, I don't know, it's not really a creative subject. Yeah. So, but we can just answer a bunch of questions. Um, question the first question. Time. Yep, Bradlin W. Uh, she asks, with 5th edition being relatively new, there's a lot of modules out there for earlier editions, such as Keep on the Borderlands, that I really want to play. What do you need to keep in mind when converting a module to different editions or to a new rule set entirely? Uh, your sanity. Keep that in mind. Uh, <laughs> that's what I lose. But I'm actually going to turn this over to you guys because I've, I've never done it, but I want to know how. Well, what do you? Uh, I, I was I was I was talking to, I was talking to Jenny about this a little bit, and uh, uh, I mean if you have the if you have the monster manual, it, unless unless they have unique creatures made up just for that, uh, just for that adventure, then all you really need to do is sort of look through the monster manual and uh, you know use the stats right out of the book. Uh, mm. If uh, other than that, there are actually a few places with free conversion um there's there's a lot of conversion stuff online if you look up uh you know convert i don't know uh call of cthulhu to pathfinder you'll probably find someone who already did it you know you don't necessarily need to reinvent the yeah. wheel in other words someone is someone's probably already done it then the way I, what i was talking about with running a module you find the storylines that are going on you find the the plot of the the bad guy you find the plot of other NPCs and then you can just lift those right out mm -hmm. and then it's just a matter of creating the NPC that fits your you know your system whatever that happens to be and I mean that's always going to be some some extra work you're always going to have to you know create the character but if uh, if you're familiar with the new the system you're converting to then it's just a matter of uh, dropping the numbers awesome yeah Jenny, have you done I, this? I have not done it, but for, if I was to do it, um, just talking a bit more about NPCs as well, um, it, it would be good if you... I, I'm not really sure how to word the sense of the data. Um, blah, 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 rewind the brain. Um, it would be good if you kind of took the character as a whole rather than just like looked at all the stats and thought, okay, like what do I need to pick out here? Like what skills mm -hmm. have they got? And whatever and kind of make up make up a version based off their personality their general abilities like when i'm when i'm uh, running a game anyway um normally i just kind of scan the stats if they're already there or i kind of make up all the details on the fly um because you're you're basically thinking right okay what kind of character have we got have we got like a noble have we got a rogue type character have we got like a really burly character they're gonna automatically have certain stats anyway so you can kind of approximate more so perhaps for fifth edition if you want to convert something from 3.5 to fifth you could make it a bit more streamlined to suit you and then start fleshing out the stats if you really need them okay cool interesting because yeah, i want to do that too you know just like bradlin i i I, there's a lot of stuff, like older stuff, even stuff from different systems that I want to mm -hmm. kind of convert yeah. to fifth, just because I, I really like the way fifth, you know, feels and works. And but, uh, you know, even if you're not converting to Dungeons and Dragons, I think, you know, if let's say you want to convert something to Fate, 
I think mm -hmm. the trick is really just getting to know the module because and yeah. getting to know the module and getting to know the system that you're trying to convert it to and that's yep. that seems like a lot of work because it is but once oh it you, is yeah. yeah once you know that stuff though it should be easier well and and obviously the more removed the systems are from each other you know, mechanic-wise, the harder it's going to be. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, going from Pathfinder to Fate is is is, is quite a leap. For example, yeah. um, if you're just going from 3.5 to Fifth Edition, you know, it's it's not nearly as bad. And like I said, I know for a fact that there's a lot of people who've already come up with pretty good conversion numbers out there for for it. So you can say, you know, it just says if it's if they have this and they have this, they have little weird formulas you can use. So yeah, it's tedious. You just Gotta, you have just have to go through the, the go through the adventure module page by page and say, come when you come to stats, just <laughs> just change them up. Um, but yeah, if you're going from something you know really two different systems, you you almost have to strip out the system entirely first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, take out the plot, take out the characters, their personalities, and then set it down, and then start adding in your stuff from the other one. Don't don't try converting, <laughs> you know, numbers or anything like that. It'll drive you mad. Yeah. Just swap in goblins for goblins if you need to, like. Yeah, and obviously, yeah. If you if mm. your if your setting already has creatures that are more or less the same, then just you know use whatever monsters you have in your your the book that came with your system. Hmm. 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 Advice. Hmm. Sam D has another question. Uh, I have never run a module because I feel like I won't do a good job telling the story, so I end up hacking it until it's almost unrecognizable. How do you avoid that? Uh, you don't. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I was yeah. like, dude, that, that's awesome. You, you've already perfect. solved a problem. You're doing it. Yep. <laughs> that's pretty much the thing you need to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you just stick to the book, then you're going to have NPCs that are supposed to be recurring NPCs getting just smacked down, and, and the players are like, oh, well, I thought that was an encounter. <laughs> So yeah, just just hack it. And you know, let's say hypothetically, you you want to run Horde of the Dragon Queen because your players are really excited to play in that module. Mm -hmm. So if your players are like, oh, please run this for us, you don't really want to hack it apart because they want to kind of play in it. But and I think that you know, at the risk of sounding redundant, uh, and guys, let me know if you have any other advice on top of this, but. I think that really getting to know the adventure module, yeah. reading it a whole bunch is just super important because then <laughs> mm -hmm. then yeah. you'll be better at telling that module's story. So Yeah, yeah because uh, again, unless you, unless you're planning on railroading, the 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 adventures are going to go off script, you know. Yeah. They're not going to be um then they're not going to follow it exactly as as you as you expect. The I mean the adventure that adventure is pretty good about not having a fixed plot line, I guess, from the point... Well, not not something that the characters necessarily have to follow. Um, certainly the bad guys are following their own plot line, and that's what sort of drags along the, the PCs. So, um, ideally, if you, if, you, if you really must follow a storyline, that's the way it should be. They should, you know, have to... Make, make sure that the bad guys follow the storyline. Mm -hmm. Don't try to force the, the, the characters to follow the storyline, if that makes sense. It does. It makes a lot of sense. Um, and my question is, is it okay if I go back to bed? Very soon. <laughs> Very soon. <laughs> <coughs> uh, 
I think I'm getting sick again, man. I just can't stop getting sick, which is so dumb and ironic because I'm no longer working with kids. So I have no reason to be getting sick. I'm I'm working from home. I'm remaining in the cesspool that I've lived in my entire life. Like there's oh. no there's no there's nothing new here. Why? Why? Legend has it Barker's studio smells of beer. Legend, legend. That's uh, that's that's a accurate and, legend. And unicorn tears. <laughs> oh my gosh right now it smells like burnt out air conditioner because so, <laughs> it's so hot in new mexico that we just run that thing constantly it's just yeah but oh I, yeah i can't i can't imagine that that would be well i can't imagine how much snow do you get uh every winter uh well the year before we moved up here was like 250 inches or something like that <laughs> yeah yeah, so it was it was it was a good amount. It's been going. It's been less and less. So uh, over the so I'm, again, I'm I'm hoping to be subtropical in the next ten years. That, you're probably that's probably thank you climate happen. thank you climate change. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, do you guys have anything else to add before we close up shop and shamefully oh, go well, our so, own ways without Matt? <laughs> shamefully. Well, I, well, I guess uh, we could. Uh, did, did we already talk about like the worst? Adventure module we ever tried to run? Oh no! We can, well, end, we can, I, we can end on a down note. Well, I did mine. <laughs> you guys can do yours. Yeah, well, I, I, alluded, I alluded to it, but yeah, uh, definitely uh, uh, the Dragonlance series was the worst <laughs> for oh, me yeah. because, again, I, I wasn't um, experienced enough to, to 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 really change it, and I read through it. I mean, I I did that part, but it is just so railroaded because it tries to. St- because the uh, it tries to stick too hard to the books, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so pretty pretty much unless you're uh, unless you're a knight of Salomnia, you know you you were, you were pretty much you know screwed on treasure, <laughs> you know everywhere you went people hated you and it's like at, at, at one point we re- we reached a, a part in the adventure where with a place like uh, we're going to be looking for a dimensional portal to get off this world <laughs> can we yeah. can we do that <laughs> <You know>? wow <laughs> we just want to leave. We don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> oh man! So, oh yeah, it's, it's, it was just so so railroady. Um, my least favorite would be in the, the it came in the fourth edition red box. <gasps> what? What? No, it just like sounds so. No, no, I didn't. It just sounds so terrible. It, <laughs> I haven't told you anything about it. And you're like, wait, oh wait, God, fourth wait, edition red yeah, box. Well, yeah. You said fourth edition. That that that's that's. Uh, and and red box for fourth yeah. edition. Yeah. Well, it's basically if you haven't played, if you haven't ever bought a fourth edition red box, it came with an adventure module that's basically like a dungeon, and but it's a really stupid dungeon and the plot is stupid and everything about it is just it's a stupid head the whole thing is a stupid stupid, head. stupid, stupid. <laughs> but uh and i was running it this stupid module what's yeah i don't know it some people might be like it's not stupid it's great it's wonderful i'm probably gonna get flamed for this you don't like that man you don't like the 40 red box this party is over like that's that's gonna happen but uh also i was running it for brand new players Mm-hmm. Uh, that had mm-hmm. never played any D and D game ever, and at least in my personal opinion, I was a I was a pretty awful DM at the time. And fourth edition, in the hands of a bad DM, can take role playing life out of players in eight seconds. It's just so <laughs> yeah. So uh, I ran that module, and it did, we didn't even finish it. But uh, it was it was a sad two weekends. 
Oh God. So, <laughs> yep. So that's mine. Uh, so now that we're all sad and sick and <laughs> drinking vinegar coffee, well, that's just me. But <laughs> I think um, if it was all just a dungeon, though, it would be fine. If it was yeah. a good dungeon, I mean, because it's like yeah. you've got that like bit of linearity already. Oh, do you need to go left, right, straight ahead? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of dungeon crawls, but I I me enjoy neither. them. Uh, they, I mean, they can be done really, really well. And this one, maybe it was the fact that you know the map was all one piece, so I had to chop it up in order to mm. keep the players from seeing other parts of the dungeon. And uh, you know, there was yeah. You know, they had it had kobolds in it, and it was just like the fourth edition just go to for some reason. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose a dungeon crawl would be easier to do from a module because, you know, like you were saying, Jenny, it is it, it is by necessity more linear because you have you you have to follow the corridors. You know, mm-hmm. you, you you're not it's not like a big uh, game of political intrigue where there's all these plots going on and and so forth that have to be kept track of. So. <laughs> Maybe that's what made it bad. And you know what? I, I'm willing to concede that it's possible that uh, I, it's a wonderful module and I was just terrible. But uh, there was political intrigue in this dungeon. There, Like, there was the possibility, like, I think there was, like, a dragon or, like, a drake at the end of it. And mm-hmm. um, you had to persuade it to, like, I don't know. But, like, and the kobolds were worshipping it so you could ally with them against the orcs. And it's like... Man, you're taking all the fun out of the dungeon crawl. <laughs> <laughs> Decide where you want to be. <laughs> yeah, let's kill some stuff. Exactly. Decide where you the, want the, to be. the dragon was passing out pamphlets, trying to raise money for you know <laughs> a, a new bridge project he was working on. Yeah, <laughs> bridge. a bridge project. I thought about the game Bridge that old people play for some reason. That was just <laughs> <laughs> whatever floats your boat, Barker. I know. Um, anyway. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening to this substandard episode of Roll Up and Die, subpar. Uh, Matt will be back at some point. Uh, but hey, don't oversell it now. I know, I know. But I do want to. I do want to say congratulations, Matt, our very own Matt, for being. Um, he's, <laughs> I, I believe he's now Matthew Hill Click. So uh, and his yeah, now right, wife Matt. is Tila Hill Click. So congratulations, yeah. you guys. Yep, well done. Yeah. And, uh, oh yeah, uh, uh, thanks for tuning in to Roll Up and Die. My name is Barker. And my name is Alex, a.k.a. Captain Gothnog. And my name is Jenny, the Rogue DM. And Jenny, go ahead and come up with our sign-off for today. Ah, I was not expecting this. Uh, Like what? I can't remember what I said last time. Nope, you gotta do it. Just like a remark? Yeah, sure. Whatever you think. Uh... It doesn't have to be clever. I've dropped a bottle on my desk, and it's... So, so something British. It doesn't matter. Uh, I I will say what is on my cup. Great. Do what you love. Love what you do. Aw, nice. Godspeed. Blah! (laughs) (laughs) You ruined everything. I know. It was too nice. That was quite a poignant quote, and you ruined it. This is why we can't have nice things. This show has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2015. It is owned by all three of the primary hosts. The games, movies, and other properties mentioned in this show are the property of their respective owners. Stealing is wrong. 
You can find all three of the hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt is at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Captain Gothnog is at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog. And Barker is at www.beabettergamemaster.com. Listeners are free to use this show in any way, shape, or form as long as credit is provided to the Roll Up and Die podcast. Look for other releases of this show at www.beabettergamemaster.com or at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Have a fantastic day, and as always, happy gaming.